You're listening to Theology for the Rest of Us. You've got tough questions. We'll try to give you easy answers. Now, here's your host, Kenny Ortiz. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Theology for the Rest of Us. I'm your host, Kenny Ortiz, coming at you from the beautiful Sunshine State. Thank you so much for taking a few minutes out to listen to today's episode of the podcast. This is episode 129, and I'm going to be answering the question, does the Bible support slavery? No doubt a very important topic to uh, to dive into and to discuss. Uh, before we dive into the core and the content of today's episode, quick reminder to everyone uh, about our website, theologyfortherestofus.com. While you're on the site, you can get all of our old episodes with show notes, explanations, and uh, more details about what each episode is about. Uh, We also have a variety of resources on the website. We have a resources page with a bunch of recommended books, blogs, uh, and other podcasts that I love, as well as in the show notes of every single episode, there are typically individual recommended resources uh, for that particular topic or whatever was you know discussed in that particular uh, episode. And so I want to encourage you to head over to the website. Of course, while you're on the website, you can also subscribe. You'll see a variety of uh, subscription buttons. Click on whichever one applies to you for whatever, uh, you know, whatever app or device you're using. Click on one of those and it'll take you over to where you can subscribe. So go over to the website, theologyfortherestofus.com. All right, let's dive into this very important topic about slavery. And the question is, does the Bible support slavery? Um, And if it doesn't, why does it not directly condemn slavery? Uh, Great questions to ask. There there is a segment of contemporary society that, that, that says the Bible doesn't, you know, overtly speak against slavery and therefore... Um, it you know it is is an antiquated book. It's old fashioned and it is not credible. We shouldn't listen to the Bible. However, the people who make these claims and assert these ideas, for the most part, are ignoring the fact that what slavery looked like in the first century throughout most of the Roman Empire is drastically different than what we think about when we hear the word slavery today. Most of us living today, when we hear the word slavery, we think of a a wretched, terrible thing uh, because of, mostly because of our understanding of what happened during the slave trade, right? During the 16, 17, and 1800s, we have uh, mostly Europeans going into Africa and forcibly and violently kidnapping uh, thousands of Africans and bringing them to different places around the world, um, throughout the New World and the colonies, in the land that is modern-day United States. It wasn't the United States at the time when the slave slave trade started. started. It was a, a territory of the British Empire. Um, but in the land that is now today Amer- you know, uh, known as the United States of America, um, Africans were brought to the United States and forced to work um, and in many cases treated terribly, were, were forced to work for no pay and served under uh, you know tyranny, under masters that treated them inhumanely. The people who were kidnapped and forced into slavery uh, were viewed as property. And, and this is obviously counter what the scripture teaches us because the Bible tells us that all humans are made in the image of God. All humans are valuable in the sight of God. So clearly, 
This is contrary uh, to God's ideal. This is contrary to what God would desire. And we see plainly in the Bible, in Exodus 21, 16, we read, And he that steals a man and sells him, or if he be found at his hand, that man shall surely be put to death. So clearly, Exodus 21 is telling us that if you kidnap a man and force him into slavery, or you take a human and you try to sell that human as if that human was property, you should be put to death. So with all due respect, anyone out there who claims the Bible doesn't speak against slavery simply hasn't read the entire Bible. Now, I will concede there are passages in the New Testament that speak about slavery, and in some cases it actually is uh, the, the apostles who are writing are encouraging the slaves to actually be good to their masters and be loyal to their masters and to submit to their masters. And in those passages, um, the Bible doesn't outright speak against slavery in those moments. So there are people out there that will say, see, the Bible speaks about slavery there and actually encourages the, the slave to stay in slavery. It doesn't encourage them to throw off the chains of tyranny. It doesn't encourage them to fight against their, their masters or to try to seek their independence. The Bible should have spoken out against it in that passage. And since it doesn't, the Bible is not credible. Like, at least that's how the argument goes. The problem with this line of thinking and reasoning is that it completely ignores historical context. And anytime you ignore historical context, you almost always end up getting a misunderstanding of the passage. We must keep in mind the fact that in the context of that day, in the first century throughout the Roman Empire, when the New Testament was being written, that was a time where the government didn't have a welfare system or a social security net for people who found themselves in poverty or could not provide for themselves or for their family. So in the Roman Empire, it was allowed that someone could sell themselves into slavery. They could become a servant to a master who then in return for their services, for their labor and their work, um, would provide for them and their family. Right? So if I found myself being broke and didn't have money and couldn't provide for my family, I could then basically make myself a slave and the master would then provide for me the things I needed and I would work for that master. Now, typically, there would be a time limit, right? This wouldn't be an indefinite thing. I would promise to work for a certain period of time. And in addition, there were actually a variety of laws in different regions throughout the Roman Empire to protect the slaves and the treatment of slaves. Slavery in the first century in the Roman Empire looked drastically different than it did, obviously, in many places in the world over the last several centuries. So when you understand the historical context and what's going on in the first century, you understand that when we see passages in the New Testament where the Apostle Paul or one of the other New Testament writers is telling slaves uh, to be loyal or to be submissive, that really, they're really challenging those individual people to be people of their word. Saying, hey, listen, if you promise to work for this person for this length of time, then you need to fulfill your end of the bargain. Be a person of your word. In fact, the word slave probably isn't really an accurate term. The term that is sometimes used by some people is bondservant. Uh, because I think, again, the word slave has a, has a certain connotation uh, to us today that is obviously different than what they understood in the first century. And, and in, the, in some of these passages in the New Testament, Paul is speaking to these bondservants who had converted to Christianity. Paul understood that if these Christian bondservants, these Christian slaves, um, were loyal to their masters and they worked really hard, 
what would happen is that their masters would take note and it would potentially give these bond servants, these slaves, the opportunity to preach the gospel. The, the New Testament writers were always encouraging people to live their lives in such a way that it would open the door for them to proclaim the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. One other quick thought um, on the New Testament addressing slavery. There is an epistle written by the Apostle Paul. It, it is one of the most intimate and one of the most unique letters in the entire Bible. Uh, the letter of Philemon. Paul is writing a letter to this guy named Philemon who apparently he had met at some point. Philemon comes to faith in Christ. Philemon had a slave, a guy by the name of Onesimus. Onesimus escapes or runs away, doesn't fulfill his end of the bargain, what he promised to do. Later in life, Onesimus and Paul end up being friends. Paul mentors him. Onesimus becomes a uh, becomes a, a believer in Jesus and becomes a worker in ministry. And eventually, Paul says to Onesimus, listen, Onesimus, you've got to go back and fulfill your end of the bargain. You promised to be a slave for several years, and you didn't do what you're supposed to do. You need to go back and be a slave to Philemon and, Philemon and finish out what you're supposed to do. But before Onesimus goes back, Paul sends this letter to his friend Philemon, and he tells Philemon to receive Onesimus back, to forgive him, but don't receive him back as a slave. Receive him back as a brother in the Lord. I think this letter gives us incredible insight into what Paul's expectation would have been upon people who would have been masters or slave owners in that day. And furthermore, as I really kind of examine it, I think Paul didn't see the slave owner and the bond servant in the same way that we sleeve, that we would see slaves today. I think Paul saw it more as a contractual agreement, almost between employer and employee. Again, if if Paul was alive, you know, today or was alive in the 1800s when there was American African slavery going on, there is no doubt that Paul would have stood against that. When we see some of the passages where Paul is telling slaves to be obedient, to be submissive, and to be loyal, things of that nature, I, I think all of us today can really apply that to our lives and our jobs today. Those of us who are employees, uh, we ought to be submissive. We ought to be obedient. We ought to be loyal. We ought to be the best employees that the employer has because in doing so, it will shout to people the gospel. When you read through the letter of Philemon and some of the other passages in a variety of Paul's epistles, it is very clear that Paul is challenging both parties. He is saying to the, to the slave owner, treat the people who work for you with love and respect and dignity. And he is speaking to the bondservant or the employee, be loyal, be a great employee, do what you promised to do. Don't steal from your master. Don't cheat your boss. Don't lie to your company. Don't try to do things that are shady. Be honest. Be loyal. Be a person of integrity. Be the best employee that you could possibly be. Any person today that proclaims that the Bible is somehow in support of slavery or doesn't speak out against slavery is someone that clearly is ignoring not only the historical context that the New Testament was written in, but also flat out ignoring some of the incredibly beautiful relational dynamics that are on display in the book of Philemon. God has incredibly high expectations that we treat one another with respect and dignity, that we never forget that every human is made in the image of God. Therefore, we can say with great confidence that any form of slavery or any sort of activity in any nation of any kind that devalues or dehumanizes 
human beings is something that God stands against. There is no doubt the form of slavery practiced in the United States for several centuries is a form of slavery that God would furiously stand against. And there's no doubt that the United States is not the only place where that form of slavery existed. That, that form of slavery where humans are treated like property has been, has been practiced in many nations throughout the centuries of human history. And in every case, God has stood against it. One other quick historical note on American slavery in particular. In my opinion, the enslavement of Africans is the greatest black eye on the resume of American history. This is one of the most incredible atrocities that was sanctioned by the American government. And the, the, the group of people that first began to fight against this were Bible-believing Christians. Right? The abolitionist movement that was started and spawned in the early 1800s, for the most part, was started by Christians. And in many cases, the leaders of the early movement in the early decades of the abolitionist movement were actually pastors. The Bible actually inspired people to fight against slavery. Listen, to say that the Bible supports slavery or that it doesn't inspire people to fight against slavery my friends, is simply false. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast. I hope this has been helpful and insightful. If you have any questions that you'd like me to address on the podcast, please feel free to shoot me an email. The best address is heyortiz at theologyfortherestofus.com. That's H-E-Y-O-R-T-I-Z at theologyfortherestofus.com. I'm Kenny Ortiz, and this has been Theology for the Rest of Us.